the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks have made a trade a full day before the MLB trade deadline. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Alex Weiner. Covers the team for ArizonaSports.com. I'm just going to get straight to it. Uh, I'm reading from Ken Rosenthal's Twitter account, although many people have reported it. The Diamondbacks have traded infielder Josh Rojas, outfielder Dominic Canzone, and infielder Ryan Bliss to the Seattle Mariners for reliever and essentially closer Paul Seawald. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You are, yeah. And, and because the I always thought it was Seawald, but everyone, I, I, I know people were like Seawald. No, but no, it's Seawald, like a seawall. Yeah, interesting. Which was very fitting for Seattle. Um, initial reaction to the trade, Alex, as it is essentially getting a closer for your team and giving up a couple of guys. One guy who's really established himself in the majors is Josh Rojas. I know he's spent time in the minors this year, but then two additional prospects as well. Sure, we need like the horn, like the like we gotta like. There's finally been a trade because we saw the Dodgers making a bunch of trades, and then across in the American League, the Rangers have done a lot of stuff. I mean, it's really ramped up this weekend uh, up until these final 24 hours, but. Um, yeah, big deal for the Diamondbacks to secure somebody for the back end of the bullpen, not only for this year, but for next year, which is such a big deal for them getting this deal done. Paul Seawald has one more year of control left before he becomes a free agent in 2025. So, in theory, he would be the team's closer this year and next year. One of the Diamondbacks have had like a, you know, solidified closer for multiple years in a row. I know Archie closed games for multiple years there, but what he's, was he ever like the go-to They closer? never named I mean, him that. Not really. But yeah. he did it. Yeah. The last one I can really think of, I mean, Brad Ziegler closed games for a while, but I, again, I don't know that they ever labeled him that. The last one I can really think of is J.J. Putz. And that's yeah, a long time ago. It's been a while. I mean, in the in the Mike Hazen era, other than Archie Bradley, I mean, they've had Fernando Rodney close games. He closed 39 games, but it was like an ERA of 4.23. Brad Boxberger, kind of same ballpark. Greg Holland? Wasn't he here for a Tyler Clippard, Joaquin Soria. Like, a bunch of guys have closed games. And that's, Yoshi Hirano. That's the deal this year, too, is they went into the season. Mark Melanson got hurt. Um, not that he had a great year last year anyway. But Melanson got hurt, and they went in the season without a solidified closer. So they went by committee. And they pieced it together here and there. But overall, when you look at the totality of the product in the ninth inning, uh, I think they are 29th in Team ERA in the ninth inning or later of games. It just hasn't really worked. And, you know, lately they've gotten some good stuff out of Kevin Ginkle. He's been the hot hand. But closer was something that they, you know, harped on as far as a, a need for this trade deadline, and they got one, and they got a good one. I mean, Paul Seawalt, Paul Seawalt I'm going to have to get used to saying yeah, that loud more, <laughs> uh, has been one of the better closers in baseball last couple of seasons. He, he took over that role last year. This year, he's 21 for 24 in these opportunities, 293 ERA. He, he's got a fastball-sweeper combination. So, it, I mean, I think they have did really well as far as addressing a need and making sure that it hasn't been addressed for the last for the next couple of years, taking from an area of excess. Yeah, and he's Seawald's got nasty stuff, but not the heat that the team has grown accustomed to adding in the last couple of months. I mean, they in the offseason, Brent Strom told management, get me some guys who can really throw gas. And they went out and got Miguel Castro, Scott McGuff's, and I wouldn't say a flamethrower, but they add a couple of pieces who can throw a little bit harder, and they, they just wanted stuff. Paul Seawald is not that. 
but he's got a crazy good slider or sweeper, as they now pretty much call everything that moves uh, <laughs> in that direction. Um, it's it's a different kind of mix because I look at Seattle and I'm like, why would you do this deal? Well, for Seattle, they already had Andres Munoz, who is another one of the best relievers in the game of baseball over the last couple of seasons when you look at all the numbers. And so they felt they had a surplus there. I don't know why they wanted to get rid of Seawall. I thought he was very good at what he did. I thought they had one of the best bullpen duos in the league. I would have thought they would want that if they were competing for a playoff spot, which they're not too far out of. Five, I think, out of the division, four and a half out of a wild card. They're not far away. Um, but the the thing that I love about trades like this is I can look at the pieces that the Diamondbacks gave away and I understand why. For instance, Josh Rojas hasn't hit a home run at the major league level this year. I actually think they have clarity at third base these days, not an issue. And even though Longoria is on the IL now and Rojas was back up, I think that eventually Longoria and Rivera is still the combo unless they go get another third baseman. And the Mariners love utility guys, whether it's Dylan Moore, Ty France has done some utility stuff like they love having those guys who can do a lot of stuff. Um, So that makes sense. Canzone, left handed hitting outfielder. There's like a billion of those in Arizona. Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, even Paven Smith when he was up. Canzone just didn't really have a place to play, even though he was up and playing right now. It doesn't mean he was long term. And then uh, and then Bliss, who's a good prospect. I love the combo of power and speed at a premium position like second base, which is what he's mostly been playing. But you're blocked by Cattell Marte. And at shortstop, you'd be blocked by Geraldo Perdomo and probably eventually Jordan Lawler. So the way I see it is the Diamondbacks gave away three pieces that probably weren't going to contribute majorly anyway, and they get a closer for two, uh, a season plus. I agree with most of that. I mean, Dominic Canzone was was showing some real signs of, of being a very you know useful everyday you know outfielder for them. Um, but you're right; it's an area of surplus, and even though. As it was, you know, trending, it seemed like he was going to have a decent role, at least for the short term. Yeah, if if you can get a closer and the main piece you give away is a left-handed hitting outfielder when you have so many already, it makes a lot of sense. Ro- Rojas, I'm sure, was very difficult just given he's been with the organization a few years after he came over in the Zach Granke trade. Uh, he's been a pretty useful player for them in multiple different positions. So, And he's a local kid. So obviously, you know, maybe that doesn't, you know, Add to it, but I'm sure there's some. It's like, a nice cherry on top of the exactly. cake. Exactly. It's not the. It's not the actual cake. Sure. And with Ryan Bliss, uh, five foot six, played in the Futures game, has really produced throughout the minor league so far. He made it all the way up to Reno this season. So these are nice pieces, and it's a decent haul for the Seattle Mariners to kind of add some depth. They need some offensive depth, uh, and you know, they're you mentioned they're not too far from a playoff spot at this point. But it just seems like they it feels like next year is the better opportunity for them. And that might be a big deal for why they make this trade. So Aldo's under contract for next year. But at the same time, if you can continue adding younger players to continue to build to that core, that might be the thinking there. But I, I agree as far as the Diamondbacks are concerned. These are three players who maybe you don't want to let go of, but you know, are in positions where you have other options there. And you add somebody who you definitely did not have. Another aspect of this trade that you kind of touched on, but we'll kind of tie a bow on it. This is the end of the Zach Granke trade. 
because Josh Rojas was the only real significant piece left of that deal. And it's not like I was relying on him to make that trade worth it or anything like that. Mm. But but if you look back on it, Seth Beer had a magical home run on opening day last year. He's in double A now. And yeah, exactly. So not exactly a part of this future. Corbin Martin really hasn't been able to get any sort of foot under him since coming over. And he had had major league experience before that trade even happened. And what year was that that they made that deal? I mean, this was years ago we're talking about now. Josh Rojas was the only piece of that trade. J.B. Bukaskis was the other one, and he's gone too. So this is the last piece left over from the Granke deal. And I'm not going to say it didn't work out because Rojas did play for the Diamondbacks for five parts of five seasons, and that seems like a long time. Um, But this is kind of the final farewell to the Zach Granke trade a few years later. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an interesting debate. It's like, was it worth it at the end of the day to get the value you got out of Josh Rojas versus the value you were going to continue to get out of Zach Greinke? I, I guess we would have to like kind of dive into it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting 180 as far as where they have been as far as at, at these trade deadlines. That was one where they're looking to add and subtract. They get Mike Leak, they get Zach Gallen, they give away Josh Chisholm, they give away Zach Greinke. This year... It was like, is that going to be kind of something similar to what that year kind of looked like just based on where they are? It doesn't appear to be. They they appear to be in on, and Mike Hazen said this, this team has deserved uh, a front office that's going to go and improve the team uh, for this year and now in the case of Paul Sewald for next year as well. So that's kind of, that was, you know, obviously giving the team support in a very difficult month for them. July has been very bad for the Diamondbacks. But they're still four games back, or at least entering Monday. They were four games back at the division, one game back of a wild card spot. They're still right there, and the D-backs don't want to miss an opportunity. So that's sort of another big reason as to why they make a trade right now. One of the other things I saw from Bob Nightingale, he tweeted, The Arizona Diamondbacks are still hoping to acquire another reliever as well as a starting pitcher before the trade deadline 24 hours from now. He tweeted that this afternoon about three hours ago. What I'm not going to ask you to name names because we've been guessing names all along and Paul Seawald never even came up, really. Um, do you have any ideas now that you pretty much know Seawald's going to be your closer? You don't need to go out and get a Scott Barlow, who's an established closer at this point, or a David Bednar, who's an established closer. You don't have to. I mean, if you can. You could. <laughs> if you can do it, you do it. Um, but does having Seawald as your de facto closer make it easier for you to open kind of broaden your stance on what you might acquire for your bullpen going forward uh for the bullpen specifically like it doesn't have to be a closer is essentially what i'm saying right no no absolutely and hazen said like the idea of the trade was for seawall to take over as the closer i mean the ball's in tori lavello's court but that was the expectation yeah so yeah you're right if they want to add more if they wanted to add a left-handed fire thrower they can do that if they wanted to add like a veteran couple of guys they can they can still do that. That I, I don't think this, you know, th- this takes away a need they had at the back end of the bullpen. I'm not sure it really impacts what else um, they're going to do. Like if they felt like they needed multiple guys in the back end, or if they just needed multiple relievers in general, that's you know they still need another reliever in that case, and that's something they would go and look for. Mike Hazen said uh, on a Zoom call this afternoon that you know. Getting a bat is still on the table. Getting a starting pitcher is still on the table. I mean, they still have needs to address and needs that they want to look at. Uh, not sure if anything's going to happen. They have less than 24 hours to do it. But yeah, this definitely takes a weight off of the organization as far as finding some guy who's proven in the back end at this point. But yeah, I don't think this impacts necessarily 
their willingness to go out and make more moves. If you had to guess between the three guys who are outgoing in this trade, Rojas, Bliss, Canzone, which one hurts the most? To lose? To lose. Probably Canzone, um, just given the power uh, he showed in the minor leagues. Uh, some of the you know advanced at-bats we've seen already in the major leagues, not just from a results perspective, but he's already shown to be a, a pretty good at-bat. Um, and that's a trait that a lot of their guys who they've developed through the system have been. I mean, look at Geraldo Perdomo, look at Corbin Carroll. I mean, they have really competitive at-bats, and that's something we've seen from Canzone. So if, you know, he continued to progress the major league level, you know, tap into that power, he could be a potentially very useful player. So I would say probably him above the others. Bliss, it's hard to tell. Um, And with Rojas, we we kind of know what he is at this point. He could be a very useful player. This year was a down year for him offensively. He was, it seemed like uh, he was battling through injury even before getting sent down. Um, that might have been the case. It's it's not totally clear, but that was an indication that Tori Lovello gave that. Um, and then he went down and got hurt and had to go spend some time on the IL. So I would probably say Canzone. Gotcha. I, I would love to take some credit because over the weekend, you and I were talking on Saturday, and I had mentioned at the end of our conversation, I thought Seattle made perfect sense as a trade partner for the Diamondbacks. I'd love to take credit for that, except that the reason I thought that was because of Seattle's endless supply of young starting pitching that was controllable. I assumed maybe Logan Gilbert, uh, who had a really good start the other day against the Diamondbacks, or you know one of these other young guys that they've got, I thought one of them might be expendable in a trade for something significant coming back, but it turns out it was bullpen guys, so I won't take too much credit. (laughs) I got the team right. I definitely didn't get the position right or even the player. um, Not even really close. So Paul Seawald, the new closer for the Arizona Diamondbacks, doesn't mean they're done. Doesn't mean we're done either here on the Ain't No Fang podcast. We will be back to discuss further trades that may or may not happen at the deadline. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Alex Weiner. Covers the team at ArizonaSports.com. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.